It's 2016 and Richo, being me, is back. And so I'm back on Wooshka and I'm here all year. Have a listen. Right, it's Monday, the 21st of March, and it has been a tumultuous Monday. Not many Mondays go the way this one went. Had a great weekend, stayed at Alan Jones's place, had a wonderful lunch yesterday with the privilege and the honour of being sung to by the magnificent Greta Bradman. Yeah, they always say she's Don Bradman's granddaughter, but that's got naught to do with the massive talent she's got. This is the next Joan Sutherland, and it was a fabulous day, but at that lunch... There was one guest of interest, and that was Barnaby Joyce. And Barnaby and I had a quite animated conversation about our life and times. And during that conversation, he said to me, Ah, he said, you think there won't be a debate? He said, remember, I said, ah. Now, that's not a very eloquent statement, but he said, remember, I said, ah. He said, remember, I paused you. He said, because there will be a debate. Now, he didn't share with me the detail of what came today. And I found what happened today extraordinary. Malcolm Turnbull has, I think, perpetrated an incredibly elaborate and expensive trick on the Australian people. Quite extraordinary what he's done. Now, you think about this. He's got the Governor-General to intervene under Section 5 of the Constitution to call the Senate back, because the Senate announced on the last day it wasn't coming back until uh, the budget, basically. Now, that's a pretty extraordinary thing to happen. Pretty extraordinary. And you must ask yourself, you must ask yourself, why would he do this? Well, there is this manic determination, not merely to have an election on the 2nd of July, that's been obvious for the last month, but it's the trigger he wants. He's got triggers that are useless. This registered organisation's trigger, well, no one cares about that. There's another one that escapes me, but it's an equally irrelevant, piddling little thing that, that you can't really try and justify as the cause of an early election, let alone a double dissolution election. No. What he decided to do was go for the ABCC trigger, the Australian Building and Construction Commission. So what's happened is now all these millions are going to be spent, a lot of millions, by the way, bringing the Senate down for a couple of extra weeks, bringing the reps back, cost a fortune. And you've got to wonder why. Because he mismanaged the legislative agenda of the government, totally stuffed it up, it was rooted completely. And so what happens? The consequence of his mismanagement is that we all have to have our money spent bringing parliamentarians back so we can get what he wants. And what he wants is an early election. And why does he want it early? Because every day that goes by, his personal ratings are dropping and he hates it. The news poll was out today, yet another drop. He's now, for the first time in his six or seven months, in negative territory. And that's a big thing for him, because the one thing about Malcolm, he never believed he'd be in negative anything. But he is. And he's suffering badly and he hates it. So you've got him really fighting that. But there's more, of course. The reality is he's a policy for his own. If you look at the things he lists as achievements of his governments, they were all things begun under Tony Abbott. There's three-tenths of five-eighths of bugger all under him, apart from the innovation statement. Now, I challenge those of you who listen to this podcast. Ring in Wooshka, text them, put up whatever, and tell them what you know of the innovation statement. That is without Googling it first. Because the reality is, no one remembers the innovation statement. It was fluff. That's all it was. A bit of fluff, a bit of bubble and froth at the edge of politics. 
nothing at the centre. Every government talks about innovation. Every government has an innovation statement, and every single one of those statements over the almost 50 years I've been watching this intently just disappears. It was a nothing effort. Otherwise, this government has done practically nothing. I mean, it's just plain a marvel at how little they've done. Most importantly, he's got a budget coming up and he brought it forward a week. Now, Barnaby Joyce was able to give me the big wink and the nod on Sunday because he was taken into the Prime Minister's confidence. Isn't it amazing that Scott Morrison, the Treasurer, wasn't? He was completely left out. How is that possible? How is it possible for the Treasurer of Australia to be completely ignored when you're bringing his budget forward? So he goes today on Ray Hadley's show this morning, so you've got a big audience in, in Sydney, a big audience in Brisbane, and what happens? He's arguing for, no, no, the budget will be on the normal day. He sounded like a right idiot. Now, Scott Morrison's not a right fool, but this is the third time he's been dudded by the Prime Minister. The Prime Minister just uses Morrison as the fall guy. So the Prime Minister sends him out to champion an increase in the GST and then pulls a rug out from under him. He sends him out to champion reform of negative gearing and then cuts the limb of the tree off when he's right out at the end. And down he goes. And now he's done it a third time. He doesn't tell him he's bringing forward the budget. He doesn't tell him about the plan for the July 2nd election. In fact, that was being discussed on a cabinet hookup at the very time, the very minute, Morrison was on Ray Hadley. Though he was treated not only, in my view, with no respect at all, but he's treated derisively. Um, and if I was Scott Morrison, I'd be a very, very angry man. Once is bad enough. Twice is much worse. But three times, that's called proof. And if I was Scott Morrison, I'd want to do something about it. But, you know, he probably won't. Everyone is now focused on survival. That's what this July 2nd election is about. We have gone to the massive expense. We've involved the Governor-General in a rort, and I'll tell you what the rort is before I get to the rest. The rort, that's the important thing. Malcolm is going to make sure he thinks that the Senate debates the ABCC bill and rejects it. Well, there are a few things around that. A, they may simply refuse to debate it. Now, he's going to argue that that constitutes a rejection. Let's say he's right. He goes to the Governor-General, where he's already been, and he says, ah, oh, this thing's been rejected twice. We can have a double dissolution. The problem is, the first time, the rejection came about because the government voted for it. So I spoke today to George Williams, who I think's probably the foremost professor on, on, uh, on politics in Australia, is certainly the best constitutional lawyer around. Everybody knows that he is renowned as the top dog when it comes to constitutional law. And he concurred, if that's the, the phrase that lawyers like the best with me, when I said, but mate, they have never had a double dissolution on the basis of something the government voted against itself. I mean, how cynical is that? You actually bring it on yourself by voting against debating it and then say, oh, the Senate rejected it, those terrible bastards, not having to mention to the Governor General, by the way, we're the bastards on this occasion. We're, we, we gave them the majority. We're the ones who voted against it. He's not saying that. So poor old Peter Grosgrove is out there, you know, the, the old soldier. Old soldiers never die. They just fade away into Governor Generalship and then wonder what the hell they're doing. I mean, how can he, in all conscience, say, oh, tick, I'll give you a double dissolution on that? He can't, but I bet he does. 
I'll bet he does because that's what governor generals do. They'll just say, oh no, the executive branch of government has asked me to do this and therefore I'll do it. I mean, I just think this is appalling. And so it's a shocking rort, unprecedented, never in our history have we had this happen. But Malcolm will do it all because of the desperation to get there by the 2nd of July and to have something real to talk about. Now, I also then say to you, what follows? Well, effectively, today he announced the election. Sure, the technical issuing of the writs has not occurred. There needs to be 33-day minimum for an election in Australia between the issuing of the writs and election day. That means, in practice, it's about five weeks. Give and take a few days. Sometimes it might be 34 days. Sometimes it might be 37. It's whatever the Saturday is that, 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 that comes around at the time. So it's, it's five weeks. This election campaign is going to be 10 or 11 weeks. It is just plain amazing. Now, remember the strife that Hawkey got into when he tried on a, a, a seven-week campaign. Now, he was against Peacock. You know, the souffles don't rise twice. What was the other Keating line? The, um, uh, the shiver looking for a spine to run up. Um, uh, how he described poor old Andrew. Andrew wasn't all that good. But Andrew took seats off Bob Hawke in that double dissolution because it, if you get it, it goes so long. A, you, the voter, get sick of it. Voters don't like politics day after day and those bloody ads. I mean, I could shoot the television. You want to put your boot through it every time because it's appalling having to listen to those crappy ads for month after month when you should only have to do it for five weeks. So people get very angry about it the longer it goes, but also you make mistakes. Nobody goes 10 weeks without an error when, when you are being intensely looked at, when every phrase, every sentence is being parsed. People are looking at the commas, the full stops, the exclamation marks. They're, they're going into every single thing you say and do. So that 10, 11-week campaign that we've effectively got now is a very, very big risk for a man who's risk-averse. And so I, I think that that can, can def, definitely play against him. Now, who's going to win? is the obvious next question. Well, it seems obvious to me that the Liberals would have to win. I mean, Labor's got to win 19 seats. Now, think about that, 19 seats. That is, now I'm going to lose a, use a crude phrase here, a shitload of seats. It's, it's just incredible. You can, I just can't see Labor doing it. Now, I can see 12, 13, 14 on a good day. I can't see 19. So you've got to say his favourite. But that, that, then when he gets back... I wonder how popular he is at that stage. Because I can tell you this, those ratings that have dropped already and dropped again in today's news poll in a negative territory, they're going to drop further. When, when people work out the trickery involved in all this, the rot that's at the very heart of this, right at the core is this rot of voting against your own legislation and using that, that rejection that you've caused as part of a trigger for a double dissolution. That's not going to fly in the long term. I can assure you of that because, you know, what do I always say? I've been saying it since I was a kid. I must say my father was the one who first said it, so I can't claim uh, a pride of authorship. But he always said the mob will always work you out. And that's why he always said when you stuff up, you get out and you get out quick. And he was right because if you make a mistake, the mob always know. And the way I, I illustrate it is, is to say I can walk into the pub at Fairfield tonight and I might fancy myself and I might look around the bar and say, well, I've got the highest IQ in the bar here tonight for sure. Maybe I do. But the other 80, 90 blokes around the bar, 
And the women these days, they've got a much higher IQ collectively than I can ever think about and they work you out in a minute and a half. They know when they're being talked to, when they're getting the mushroom treatment, I'm trying to clean up my language. But they know when you're talking nonsense to them. And so I reckon this thing can easily blow up in his face. If Labor do a good enough job, now will they? Now poor old Bill Shorten's numbers weren't too flash this morning. And so while I guess he can be pleased that it's still holding at 51.49, which by the way, is a number that I would have instinctively said was right. I couldn't really imagine 50-50 being right. Um, by the same token, the 53-47 lead in Ipsos, I never believed, and I've checked with a few professionals today. I don't think Ipsos is a good enough poll. So from now on, I'm not going to treat it too seriously. I'm going to run with uh, news poll. Whether the figures are good or bad for Labor, I'll be running with news poll. But Bill's numbers today weren't too flash. Now remember, we have a dead set presidential campaign here. People talk about the personal vote of local members, flat out being 2%. Only on extraordinary occasions, once in a blue moon, is a local member worth more than that, worth more than 2%, and many are worth less. Now, people don't vote for the local. People vote for the party and they vote for the leader. And remember in an election campaign, all you see are leaders. You don't see the others. Yeah, the Minister for Environment is not going to be doing ads in this campaign. And how many people know who Greg Hunt is? And the answer is not many. You can't. If I asked everyone here listening to nominate 12 ministers in the Turnbull government, I wonder how many could. My suspicion is not many. And if I ask you to nominate six, just six senators from your own state, I'll bet almost none could either. You see, we don't take notice of the individuals. The notice we take always is of the boss. We know who Turnbull is. We know who Shorten is, and they're the ones we look to when we go to vote. Now, this campaign is a straight-out contest between two men and two parties, not two ideologies anymore, because really, if you take the trade union movement out of it and the attitudes of both parties to it, the reality is we're only about efficiency. We're about who's better at doing the job of raising money and spending it than the next lot. We're not really about anything more or anything less. Just remember that. So... It comes down to the two guys. Now, Shorten, even though he's dropping, and Bill, even though he's lifting very, very uh, in small uh, amounts, it's going to be a contest between them, and you'd have to say Turnbull's favourite. Can he lose enough between now and July in personal ratings to give the Labor Party a real chance? Well, it's possible. It's not likely, but it's possible. So you couldn't rule them out. They're the roughy. But Malcolm Turnbull's the favourite. The question is, will the mob work out what he's just done. Will they work out why they're voting early, why they're voting with a changed electoral system for the Senate, why they're there at all? If they do work that out, let me tell you, Malcolm Turnbull's in all sorts of trouble. So that's Labor's task. Expose the rot, make sure you all understand the lengths to which this man has gone. And to quote him, Malcolm Turnbull himself, remember what he said when he was criticising Rudd, this is all about the job security of one man and one man only. How right he is this time, though, that one man is Malcolm Turnbull. Well, make sure you watch Richo on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock and Richo and Jones at 8 o'clock Tuesday nights. I'll talk to you then.